You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. I'm really excited to be sharing the word with you tonight. Uh, if you've got a Bible, can you turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1? We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I want to share a message with you tonight called Keepers of the Flame. Keepers of the Flame. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're a keeper of the flame. You are a keeper of the flame. You're a keeper of the flame. People are getting touched by the Holy Spirit already. Like, yes, Lord, I'm a keeper of the flame. Come on. Keepers of the flame. I wonder if you remember the first time that you ever encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned this morning in our morning services that um, my family got radically saved in the 90s, in the early 90s in New Zealand. My family, uh, my dad came from a Muslim background. Yeah, come on. He came from a Muslim background. He was in Iran, grew up there, moved to England. My mum grew up in a Roman Catholic family, moved to England as well, and they met each other there. My mum converted to Islam to marry my dad. And so I was born into a Muslim family. And then at five years old, some stuff went down in our family. And um, the the church, people from church started praying for us and reached out, shared the gospel with my family. And my parents got radically saved. I mean, radically saved. Yeah, come on. Can we go give God some praise tonight? Um, I I mean, crazy saved. Like, we would watch reruns of Benny Hinn uh, cassette tapes, TV, VHS tapes, on the TV all day, every day. There was no Barney. There was no Sesame Street. It was just reruns of Benny Hinn tapes all day, every day on our TV. My mum was so hungry for the presence of God and the power of God. I remember, I can't sing, so I'm not going to embarrass myself and start singing tonight. Um, But we would just have praise parties, worship parties in our living room. I remember just dancing around the dining table with my mum, my brother and my sister, because such was the great work that God had done in our family's lives. And God had just poured out his presence in our home and it was just like we went from darkness to light and so we would play these Benny Hinn tapes all day every day in our in our lounge room and so the rule was if Benny Hinn was playing praying for anything he could be praying for Christians in Palestine he could be praying for anything in the world no matter what he was praying for when Benny Hinn was praying on the TV we had to stop everything that we were doing we had to stop playing we had to stop eating we had to stop fighting we had to stop doing everything and we had to get our hands and we had to place them on the TV screen and we had to pray with Benny Hinn and my mum took it very seriously she would get down on her knees and she would be sitting standing with us and and me and my brother and sister were like having one eye open as we're praying with Benny Hinn and mum's praying and praying in tongues and interceding for for the nations and we would pray every time that Benny Hinn prayed that was the rule in our house and so I remember one day, um, I was just walking past the TV. I was six years old. My parents had sort of just radically got saved the year before. And uh, I was walking past the TV and it just caught my attention that they were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I'm a six-year-old kid and I'm walking past. I'm like, what is this Holy Spirit about? What is speaking in tongues about? 
And so I'm like intrigued by what's going on and what they're talking about. And at the end of that sort of episode, Benny Hinn said, okay, well, if anyone wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, then I want you to reach out your hand to the screen and I want you to pray with me. And we're going to pray that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you will speak in tongues today. This is your day. That was the name of the, the TV program. And I was like, okay, well, the rule in our house is if Benny Hinn's praying, you put your hand on the TV screen and you pray with him, right? So I got my hands and I went and I prayed as they prayed, God, I want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to speak in tongues. And then they said, okay, go and start speaking in tongues. And I'm like six, year, six years old. I'm like, okay. And I started speaking in tongues for the first time, got baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, let's give God some praise for that. How many know no one's ever too young to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit? That the young people, never too young, never too old, the Holy Spirit can meet with you right where you're at. And so from that day until this day, I always remember having such a deep and intimate and close personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. From that day, as I asked the Holy Spirit to come and fill me up, I remember that God just came and filled my world and talked to me and ministered to me in a powerful way. Then as a teenager, I would go to youth conferences and youth camps. And how many love your youth pastors here? Dina and Jonathan, aren't they amazing? Yes. Absolute legends, doing an incredible work for God here. And um, I, I love youth ministry. I love youth conferences. I know Pastor Tim was part of running an incredible youth conference up in Mackay. And uh, youth conferences can change young people's lives. And so I would go to youth conferences. I would go to youth meetings on Friday nights at my church. And I remember going to one youth conference where I got so touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit. It was just, you know, when they just do that thing where they just like pray for people and they're like, fire, 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 fire. And everyone's on the floor and it's just like mass carnage at the altar. He was like, please don't step on someone's head. Like we don't want a lawsuit today, you know, it's just crazy. And uh, I, I remember just being filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit so much so that I was so gripped by the Great Commission that I had to go, go back to my school and tell my friends about Jesus. How many know that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If something's changed your life, if the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you, it just starts to come out of you. The gospel starts to come forth from you. Witnessing starts to pour out of you. And so I decided as a teenager, that I was going to start a Christian group in my high school. And yes, and this is like early 2000s, Pastor Tim, you know, when all the youth ministries around the country were copying Planet Shakers and everything was named Boom. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that season, but everyone's youth ministry was named Boom everywhere um, around the nation. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start this lunchtime Christian group at my high school, this lunchtime youth ministry at my high school. It was a non-Christian high school, barely any Christians there, but I was going to get my youth leaders to come in and to minister and we're going to see my friends saved. And so I decided that we were going to call this uh, youth ministry. We couldn't call it Boom, but I wanted to call it something in line with Boom. So I was like, let's call it Detonate. Detonate, you know, because the Holy Spirit's going to come and blow this place up, right? Oh my gosh, Detonate. You know, um, at that time of my life, I was a crazy Pentecostal. My hotmail address. So your email address that you make when you're a teenager really bears your whole soul. You know, like I'm looking at you, horse girl, 1995, you know, those, those email addresses that we have. My email address when I was a teenager was Pentecostal underscore epidemic at hotmail.com. You know, what the heck? 
yeah, it was a sight to behold. So I wanted to start this Christian group named Detonate. I'm like, we're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come blow this place up. So zealous, so on fire for God. And uh, that would be okay for any white Australian kid to name their Christian group Detonate. But when you're half Iranian and half Irish and you want to call a religious group Detonate, it's definitely going to cause some problems. And I was none the wiser, right? So I get legitimately called into the principal's office, the principal of the whole school, thousands of kids in this, in this school, and the principal sits me down and he's like, Layla, I just wanted to have a chat with you. I was like, cool, you know, is this like a Saul to Paul moment? The, the principal's going to get on fire for God. He's going to get transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, I didn't know that this was going to happen. So I'm like so excited. And he like asked me, Layla, so I've heard that you're going to start a religious group. And I've heard that the name of the group is Detonate, is it? It's like, I was just wondering, what's the intentions of this group? <laughs> like, Holy Spirit's going to come blow this place up. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're just going to share the love of Jesus with people and preach the gospel. So we did that. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, how many know that you get bold, you get zealous for the Lord? There is a confidence that is unshakable. You just go out, you don't care what people think. You don't care how people perceive it. You just want to do everything that you can for the Lord. I love this quote. It's a quote by Smith Wigglesworth. And he says, The power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. He'll take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. And I really believe tonight that as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to open the altar at the end just so every one of us can come and encounter the Holy Spirit afresh. But I believe that God wants to propel us into the plans that He has for each and every one of us tonight. I believe that it's a new day and it's a new season. And I believe that He wants to empower us to go out and be who He's called us to be. He wants to send us out to be everything that He's called us to be here tonight. So we see in Acts chapter 2 that the believers encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 2 as well that every single person who was in that upper room, 120 people were gathered. They were hungry for God to move. They were praying. They were seeking God. But we see that every single person in that room had a personal encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. There was not one person in that room. The Bible says that there was a flame for every head, that every single person had a flame on their head, a flame of fire on their head. That tells me that in this room tonight, God has a personal encounter tailor-made for every single person in this room, that He has a fire for me, He has a fire for you. He wants to move in every single person's life in a powerful, powerful way. And so I want to talk tonight about what we're carrying. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so as it says this, it tells us what we receive when we receive the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to travel internationally. But when you travel internationally, usually you have to go through something called customs and immigration. When you get into a new country, you're going into customs and immigration so you can cross the border and you can go out into that different foreign country. And as you do that, they'll typically ask you a number of questions about who you are and what you're doing there. And they'll often ask you, what is in your bags today? Do you know what's in your bags today? And when they ask you this question, they're saying, hey, you should know what you're carrying into this foreign land. 
you know what? In the same way, the Bible tells us that as Christians, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are strangers and foreigners on earth. The Bible tells us that we are citizens of heaven. So in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when Jesus said, you shall receive power, he's saying, I want you to know what it is that you're carrying into this foreign world. I want you to know what it is that you're carrying that is foreign to this land because you need to know the fire, the flame, the power that it is that you have on the inside of you. And so I want to talk tonight just very briefly for the next few moments about this flame, about this fire that we are carrying. What does the fire of the Holy Spirit do in our lives? When we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, what does He come and do in our lives? The first thing that the Holy Spirit does and the fire of God does in our lives is He makes us holy. The flame of God, the fire of God makes us holy. In Exodus chapter 3, we see that Moses encounters this burning bush. And as he encounters this burning bush, it's like the fire of God is on this tree and it's not being burned up. Most of us would know the story. There's a fire there. And God speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. Now, there was nothing particularly um, distinguishable or powerful about that tree and that bush beforehand. But when the presence of God and the power of God and the fire of God came and rested on that tree, it became holy ground. Do you know what? In the same way as Christians, as we get full of the fire of God, as the fire of God comes upon us, the Bible says that He makes us holy as He is holy. It's not a striving. It's not us to try and do better works and try and be better and try and do better. No, as the Holy Spirit fills us up, we become holy as He is holy. The Holy Spirit's work and the fire of God is to come and to make us holy. The second thing that the fire of God does is the fire of God, the flame, takes us deeper. He takes us deeper. We see that in the New Testament, Jesus was always sitting with the disciples and the people of God. He would come and he would eat with them and he would have fun with them. And, you know, I think Jesus would always make like fish and bread. That seemed to be Jesus' like signature meal, fish and bread. I don't like fish, so I'll be like, thanks Jesus, I already ate. But you know, like I don't don't want the fish and bread situation today, you know. Um, But Jesus is always relating relating to the people and he's always sitting with them and hanging out with them and being relational with them. We actually see in the Old Testament that uh, in the tabernacle, which is the place where the fire of God would come and rest in the Old Testament and the presence of God would come and sit amongst the people in the Old Testament, we actually see that there was something in the tabernacle called the table of showbread. So it was the table that the priests would come and they would put bread on every week and they would change the bread and each week they would have to do this. And in that time period, in the ancient Near Eastern sort of time period and in that area, they would often have temples where they would have food for their gods. They would feed their gods certain foods and they would put food in the temple. But we know of Yahweh, our God, that he doesn't need to be fed, right? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he wants steak for dinner tonight, he can have steak for dinner tonight. He's got enough cows to make it happen. He is a God who doesn't need us to feed him. But the reason why, scholars say, the reason why there was a table of showbread 
in the tabernacle is because it represented a God who wanted to come and sit and eat with us. It represents a God who wants to take us deeper in fellowship and relationship with Him. He wants to sit with us. He wants to eat with us. He wants to commune with us. And in the same way, when the fire of God comes upon us, we don't need just one baptism. The Bible says, be continually being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we come to the altar afresh and we say, God, I want a fresh fire. God, I want you to touch me. Not only can the Holy Spirit come and make us holy, but He can also take us deeper into deeper realms of the glory of God. He can take us deeper into knowing God as our Lord and Saviour, knowing Him as our shepherd, knowing Him as our friend, knowing Him as our Father. He can reveal to us His character as we get filled with the fire of God. The flame of God takes us deeper. Thirdly, the flame of God, the fire of God comes and marks us. The fire of God marks us. I love if we keep looking at the tabernacle in the Old Testament where the fire of God fell and the presence of God was in the Old Testament. We see also that there was what was called the altar of incense and this anointing oil. And the Bible tells us that this anointing oil that was in the tabernacle, it was supposed to mark the priests and the different things that were in the tabernacle. And God gives them specific instructions for this oil. And he says, with this oil, I don't want you to ever, ever use these same ingredients anywhere else. You cannot use these same ingredients. You cannot make this same fragrance with any other oil or perfume that you want to make for natural use. You can only mix these ingredients for the anointing oil that is going to be in the tabernacle. Why? Because then... When people were touched by the anointing oil, when the priests carried the anointing oil, when anything anyone smelled of that one smell, that one anointing oil fragrance, whenever anybody smelt that smell, that mark, they could tell that whatever was marked with that oil and that fragrance had been in the presence of God. It had been marked by the presence of God. And do you know what? In the same way, when we get under the fire of God, when we encounter the fire of God in our lives and we say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. God, come and fill me. We receive an anointing in the presence of God that the world cannot imitate, cannot replicate. We receive an anointing that will break the yoke. And as we receive that anointing to go out and do what God has called us to do, I believe that it would be a mark that people would know there's something different about you. There's something different about the way that you do your job. There's something different about the joy that you carry. There's something different about who you are. Why? Because you've received an anointing in the power and the presence of God that has marked you in a powerful way as we get filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Fourth and finally, maybe if the worship team could join us. The fire of God, when we encounter the fire of God, the fire and this flame of God empowers us. We see in this story in Acts chapter 2 that I read at the start of um, the service tonight, it sort of continues in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 and it says this, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, declares God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. 
Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. After Peter gets up and preaches this sermon on the day of Pentecost, we see that 3,000 people who are gathered in the town square that day give their lives to Jesus. They respond to the message of the gospel. God just breaks out in a powerful way and the church is birthed as people who had encountered the fire of God started taking that fire to the streets and changing the world around them. But it's super ironic and interesting that Peter is the guy to get up on the day of Pentecost and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and see 3,000 people saved that day. Peter, although he had been called to be the leader of the church, although it was Pastor Peter, Apostle Peter, who was supposed to lead the church and Jesus had appointed as the rock, the foundation that he'd built his church upon, although he was appointed as the first apostle and the first pastor of the church, we see that every time Peter had the opportunity to fulfil his calling to be the first pastor of the church before the day of Pentecost, he messed it up. He missed it. Almost every time he had the opportunity, he couldn't do it. See, what a, what a pastor and what an apostle was supposed to do in this time was they were supposed to see what God is doing, sense what God wants to do, and then articulate it to the people, proclaim it to the people and lead them into what God is doing in their midst. And so we see multiple times in Peter's history, we see one time Jesus says to Peter, He's like, Peter, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And he starts talking. He starts prophesying about what he's going to do. And Peter stands before Jesus and he's like, no, Jesus, no. Me and the boys, we're not going to let no one do that to you, right? Nobody's going to get you, Jesus. I got my sword. I can cut people's ears off. It's going to be fine. You know, I got them. I got you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. It's a bad day if you want to be a pastor, Pastor Tim, and Jesus mistakes you for Satan. It's like, I'm a pretty bad pastor if Jesus thinks I'm Satan. You know, so Peter, he messed it up. There was another time that Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet. And it's a beautiful moment. And he's washing their feet so that they can take part in him. And, and he starts to wash their feet. And Peter is the first one whose feet he wants to wash. And he says, Peter, let me wash your feet. And Peter's like, no, Lord Jesus, don't wash my feet. You will never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And Peter's like, oh, okay, yep, yep. Wash my feet, Jesus. Wash my arms, Jesus. Here's some shampoo for you, Jesus. If you want to wash my hair, Jesus. You know, he's like, you can wash me, Jesus. And there's another time he's on the mountain with Jesus. Jesus does some transformer crazy stuff, right? He's on the mountain, he does this transfiguration thing and Peter is terrified. The Bible says, he says to Jesus, Jesus, let's make some altars here. And it literally says he said this because he had no idea what to say. Every time he had an opportunity to be who God was called him to be, called him to be every time he had the opportunity 
to lead people, to articulate and sense what God was doing and lead them into what God was doing. He messed it up. He missed it. But on the day of Pentecost, when the fire of God came and fell upon Peter, when the power of the Holy Spirit came and empowered Peter, he became someone that he was always called and born to be. See, Peter could not do it without the anointing, without the empowering, without the fire of the Holy Spirit. But when the fire of God came upon him, he was propelled into the calling and the destiny that God had for him. Can we stand to our feet tonight, church? I believe tonight that God wants to propel people into the calling and the destiny that He has for them. I believe that it's a new season and it's a new day for this church. And I believe that as we receive a fresh touch of the fire of the Holy Spirit, that God is going to start fires, not only in our lives, but He's going to start fire starters in this room tonight who are going to carry revival to each campus, who are going to carry revival to the world around us, see miracles and signs and wonders break forth, who are going to step into the anointing and the calling and the destiny that God has always had for us but we couldn't do it without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit I believe tonight that God is going to come with His fire Thank you for listening to this podcast 